Hello, my name is Sherman. My name is Amaya. And we are Drag, drag sisters. sisters. I mean, she's not a drag queen. I'm an ex-drag queen, but you get the gist. We're sisters regardless. I mean, I'm a man. Doesn't matter. But I'm a sister. So yeah. She, a we'll get it. sister, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, luckily, I got Amaya here. My last podcast, I had Chris, who was a phenomenal guest. We had some good topics. And I think me and Amaya have some relatable areas where I think we'll you know, hopefully be entertaining and fun. Um, so I think we should start off. You just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So I am 23 years old. Uh, I was born and raised in Greensboro. So pretty boring. I have a degree in sign language interpreting and I uh, grew up in a house of seven people. So it really shaped my life in a very weird and interesting way. <laughs> well, that's good. So, I mean, that's great. So like with sign language, because I just want to know a little bit about that. Like, is that something that you are actively pursuing as a career? Actually, no, I have taken a break from it because uh, I'm also moving. We'll get into that a little bit later. But um, I got my degree and then I kind of got into the field a little bit and I realized it was a lot in education. And um, I have previously worked at a preschool and I have a lot of experience in the classroom and I just don't like having to kind of sit on the sidelines in that scenario. So as an interpreter, you can't say anything. You just are the messenger. You're the in-between person just communicating the language in between two people. And I realized I do not like that very quickly. So I have stayed in the preschool classroom and area and I enjoy that a lot more. So hopefully one day I'll be able to come back and get into it in a different field. But for right now, that was not a fit. Okay. Well, I understand that completely. So I think we should get into the part of like how we met because yes. most of the time people are just like, I just like to get into like how we met. So I'll just start from my perspective, which was I met your husband mm -hmm. and we, yeah, yeah, we met on Bumble BFF. All right. So it was not a dating site. It was just friends, like mm -hmm. just getting to know each other. So I, I remember messaging him and I'm like, all right, let's meet up at a bar. And he suggested the bar. So I was like, fine. And, and amongst us talking and getting to know each other at the bar, he mentioned he had a wife, but then he was just like, oh, well, she was over at Boxcar playing games. <laughs> and after we had sat down to talk for a little bit, I was like, well, sure, I'll meet your wife. Why not? When I go to Boxcar and there, I ran into her and I was just like, oh, she seems so sweet and so nice and just like very relatable, which was good. So and then we just kind of kicked it off. But from your perspective, meeting me, I'll let you. I was like, so actually me and my husband, we kind of got into a slump where every day we were just sitting at home watching Netflix or something. And so I was like, we really need to make friends. And I heard about Bumble BFF. So I was like, let's try it. So I tried it on the girl side and it was very, I'm not good at making friends. So I discovered very quickly that was not good. But he had met someone and he was like, oh, I'm talking to this guy. He seems pretty cool. Um, we're going to go to a bar. And I was like, okay, <laughs> he might like you. <laughs> I'm a little worried about that. Um, like, just feel it out. If he gives you any vibes, just go and text me. And so I was at another bar and he's like, okay, we're going to go to Boxcar. And so we both met there and I was like, hey, and you seem so nice and friendly. So it really made me feel more comfortable about the whole situation because I was worried. I was like, he's either going to kill you or he's going to try to date you. Okay, to my defense, all right, when I met your husband online, the first thing I said, I was like, oh, what are your interests? Literally, the first thing he messages back is, I like to sharpen knives. <laughs> he did that to me, too, So, because we met online. <laughs> well, he was being honest, but it also comes off as like murderer vibes, yes, right? Yes, very much. I was like, this man will probably kill me, so... 
let's just go all in. I'm excited. <laughs> and he didn't, which no, was great. But like, I mean, very nice. it was crazy because when I met you and we actually hung out the first time because I invited mm-hmm. you to our house to Drag Night. We host Drag Night every Friday mm-hmm. and you guys came and I was like nervous. I was like, oh my God, they're going to think we're weird, creepy people to just watch men in drag clothes and stuff like that. And I will say from the perspective of like between you two, like I feel like me and Armin hit it off from the perspective of like he was just this genuine like it's very rare you find straight guys who are mm-hmm. open to be friends with gay bisexual anybody mm-hmm. within the LGBTQ community and genuinely have like good interests because yeah. like I was very nervous about that especially when I meet any straight guy the first thing I think about is like what is his true motive yeah. right what is he into like yeah. will he even kind of mesh into the community and all of that so i definitely understand that yeah but he ended up being really nice and really good and so did you Mm -hmm. so that was great but i think we should get to the the thing that is the interesting part because like while we met was great but Mm -hmm. i think the the thing that made us connect even more between me and you was the fact that we both dated interracially Mm -hmm. and it's not like something i feel like we just or for me i'm gonna say from my perspective i don't just gravitate towards dating interracially but, like, it's just something that I don't know. I don't know if it was my upbringing. It's hard to say. But, like, I feel like I, from my perspective, I grew up around a lot, like, w- engulfed in the black community, right? Like, yeah. my, I won't say my school was segregated, but, like, the black people did their thing, the white people did their mm-hmm. thing. We came together. We knew there was no, like, issues. It was just kind of like you just kind of gravitated towards those scenarios. And I don't know. Like, I, I think interracial dating for me was not about just white guys it was just about anybody in the spectrum that I kind of gravitated towards because for me it was always mental it was always about like how and plus dating dating and I'm not trying to say dating within your own race but there are tropes and things that you run into there are stereotypes that just kind of just keep like there's a lot of DL men in the black community Mm -hmm. so a lot of the black guys that were into me were like befriending me but secretly like wanted something on this side and that wasn't like I prefer the openly gay Mm -hmm. or openly confident with themselves and not like I'm a secret scenario I dealt with that for a while yeah so what about your experience like interracially dating so for me I was kind of different so my middle school years which is kind of where you're going through puberty and all that I feel like I did have a good mix of black and white um but for me that was a time where i started becoming kind of nerdy and so a lot of black guys weren't into that they're like oh all she does is read books all day and she's into like these weird movies that i just do not like and i understood that but then they were automatically like i'm not going to date her because she's a nerd and she's in the corner and so white guys did kind of gravitate towards me but at that time in middle school i only had my eyes on one guy and i was like you are it and it was like a black guy who was mixed uh, but he also kind of was what you would call like uh, Oreo. So he was more, I guess, towards the white community where they mm-hmm. accepted him a little bit better. And so that's kind of, I think, why we connected very well. Um, and then in high school, I went to a, it, I went from a small charter school to a really big public high school. And so I had every kind of person that you could ever meet. But then once again, I was labeled as the nerd sitting in the corner Mm -hmm. reading books. No one really wanted to date me. And at that point I was like, okay, well I'm just gonna date white guys because those are the ones who are kind of like okay with it and they're not like doing anything. But once that started, it's like, you have to find the white guys who are actually interested in dating a black girl and not just 
because I'm a fetish or because, you know, I have a big butt or something like that. Like, it's just, it's really hard to kind of discern what this, the person's motives are who are coming after you and trying to date you. And so it's, it's a little different. I have almost exclusively only dated white guys. It's a little bit because of my choosing, but also a little bit of kind of who comes at me and the way they do it, I guess. Like, because when I was dating every kind of man, mm-hmm. they, they all are in your DMs. They do not care. <laughs> They're just like, I want to fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know no, if you can say that, no, but no, it's can. like, they are just trying to have sex with you. And so it's like, I just need someone who actually has interests that I'm interested in. And let's see if that works. And a lot of times the people that I ended up dating for longer periods of time did happen to be white. Oh no, yeah, I I can agree. I will say I've de- so I've dated, I've dated black. My first ever real boyfriend was black, right? He he was like he was full on like Bob Marley black. Like okay. he had dreads. <laughs> he smoked weed constantly. Like he was consumed with like mm-hmm. I have to be high. I can't function unless I'm high. Yeah. And I was like, you might have an addiction. He was like, you can't be addicted to weed. I was like, you can be addicted to money. You can be addicted to anything. Yes. Like it's a mindset, not like. Like, it's not It's not the same medical. as heroin, yeah. but it, you can become addicted to it where you're relying on it every single day. Yeah. And I also dated, I dated a Hispanic guy. I dated, I dated two Hispanic guys. I dated a, I dated a white guy who had, was a redhead, which doesn't matter. He was a redhead, you know, but you know, the, there are stereotypes about redheads, but it didn't matter. It didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've dated all types of guys. So I don't think it's just like, oh, I've only dated white guys. It's just like... I gravitate towards white guys because I won't say just white guys, but I gravitate towards personality Mm -hmm. and most personalities I gravitate towards are people that are genuine, people that are nice, people that don't feel like they have to put on a persona to kind of like attract or like care about their surroundings. So that was, that was just my take on dating interracially. But like my things of like, what do you, what do you think are the struggles of dating interracially? Well, one, well, like I said before, also just trying to find their motives, but also who's going to be open about dating me because I'm black. Like I've had guys where they would not tell their parents about me because I am black. I'm assuming it's because I'm black. I'm sure they had another reason, (laughs) but I'm like, you told me that you've taken your other girlfriends home and you've told your parents about these other people. Why not me? What are the situations with that? And I've had people where I felt like they were hiding me. Again, I don't know their true motives, but I have questioned them a lot. And they're just like, oh, I'm not ready and all of this stuff. And it just feels like you're ashamed of me. Yeah. And I'm going to assume it's because I'm black. Because a lot of times when I started dating white guys, they're like, oh, I've never dated a black girl before. And uh, that that was already a sign for me. Yeah. I probably should have left at that point. But I, I try to give people chances and that I think a lot of the times, I mean, I'm only 23, but in my earlier dating years, I feel like I just kind of ignored a lot of the flags because I was like, I just need to give them chances. They're going to change. Eventually mm-hmm. they're going to love me for me. And that was not the case. Yeah, I I agree. Like the first Hispanic guy I dated, like I was so into him. I was driving six hours to Asheville when I got off work wow. about every weekend to like oh my God. see him and spend like less than like, I don't know, 24 hours with him because I would get there on Friday at 1 a.m. Then him and his friends would want to go to the club. Mm-hmm. So I would drive six hours, get there, go to the club from one to two and then turn around and then go back to his place and relax and chill. And 
I felt like a secret because one time I went to go pick him up. He was not in college at the time. It was like a summer break thing. And I went to go pick him up because I wanted to take him to the beach and like shower him with this hotel and roses and flowers. And I'm a very big romantic. So I was and I picked him up and he was like, pick me up around the corner. And I'm like. Huh? Around the corner, what? and then when and then when he graduated from college, because we were still together, he graduated. Like I didn't even get an invite. Like his family what? went, and wow. he didn't even like really invite me. It was just kind of like, oh, my family's gonna be there. You you don't have to come. I was just like, well, are you ashamed of me? No, I'm not ashamed of you. But in Hispanic families, mm-hmm. if you date interracial, like which is so weird because like I get as African American, my parents has never came to me and said don't date white people the only thing they've ever told me my parents was just like be careful dating interracially because as a black person you will constantly be reminded or you'll be put in scenarios where someone might not like you because you're black regardless of whether they're white it's not that black people are more accepting it's just that my parents was trying to prepare me that hey when you go into this world of interracially dating you're gonna have backlash and then you're gay on top of that. Yeah. So that's going to be even a bigger backlash because some people are just like, I don't mind if my son is gay as long as he dates someone that's within acceptable our terms. Our race and our culture yeah. and all of this. Oh, Well, sadly, I've had the opposite kind of experience. I don't, I feel like my parents did at one point say, not my parents, sorry, I should say my dad. My parents <laughs> were married and then like 19 years into their marriage they got a divorce so it was a whole messy thing that's a whole nother (laughs) podcast that we could do on this but uh, my dad growing up he was very he was from a small town in north carolina and it was like you need to stay within your race and do not venture out of that and so growing up he was very vocal he's like do not date a white man just don't do it do not bring them home (laughs) don't like don't and i was like yeah I don't care. I'm still going to do it. And I still brought white men home to meet him. And he was nice and cordial to them. But I know that he was not excited about me dating outside of my race. Um, and my siblings, too, because I have three sisters and one brother. And they all only, for the most part, date black people. So it kind of made sense that I'm like the black sheep of the family. I'm out here doing something <laughs> that they don't understand. Um, it's... I just, I wish that growing up I had had more accepting, just a little bit. I'm like, even if my parents were like, just love who you want, I would have loved that. But it wasn't, it wasn't exactly like that because I also do, I don't know if I can say I identify as bisexual, but before I got married, I was a little bit bisexual, I mm-hmm. guess. I like women. Women are so beautiful. I've never had the courage to actually date a woman, but they're very pretty. I just gravitate towards men. So I would say I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Give a percent. Like I'm like um like eighty twenty. Okay. <laughs> I'm like eighty is on the mid set, which is sad because men for the most part are not trash. Um, but <laughs> they're like, Ugh. but I just I've never I just in the back of my head anytime I tried to kind of break outside of that a little bit, I can hear my parents in my head. So I'm like, let me just let me stay on this track at least. I'm like, cause it's not all the way over here because I know that if I had came out as gay or lesbian or anything in my teenage years, I probably would have been disowned, honestly. Mm. It was not a good reaction. That's crazy. I, I, 
So would you say that could have also influenced your perspective of like the type of person you would date? Just being like, oh, don't bring home a white person. Yeah. Do you feel like they kind of pushed you to be like, well, you know, let me see what this is about. Because you're going to tell me not to date somebody. <laughs> like just I'm a gonna, little bit. <laughs> I'm going to test it out and see exactly I'm what. Like, honestly, if I had to pinpoint, it would probably be from all of like growing up, I was a true twihard. I lived breathed ate slept twilight this that was my life oh god <laughs> and i wasn't team jacob no i was team edward i was like this white pale sparkly <laughs> man is he will be my husband oh one my day god. he was so boring to me but Stop we're it. not gonna was, go there he was amazing okay we're not gonna have he had fight. no personality you know what we're not that, we're that's not fair okay there. it's fair not everyone sees it that way but for um like a 12 11 12 year old girl mm-hmm. i was i was enamored this man was for me it was like they found my true love wow <laughs> and that was him <laughs> luckily i was in my i was in my mid-20s when that yeah. stuff was happening so i was just like no, no. it's not happening like and i get it i'm like going back now i'm like oh I, I can't see why I was so obsessed, but mm-hmm. my puberty brain, you know, you see something. I'm yeah. sure you had someone like an icon. You saw it when you were young and you were just like, this is life. Yeah, it was Whitney Houston. Okay. See? <laughs> when I mean, she was alive. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess, I, but I guess that, that kind of, because like, apparently I'm gay. That's what I don't, I really don't like labels. Cause mm-hmm. like, I know I would date a woman if the right one came along, but I think I was turned off to women. And this is a mm-hmm. personal experience. This has nothing to do with like, oh, am I physically? Because I do think women are beautiful mm-hmm. creatures. Like I have a whole back history of how I think reality really is yeah. about, revolves around women. But my thing was, is like when I was growing up, women, every time I dated a girl in high school or middle school, it was always like, you have to be the provider. You have to do this. Mm-hmm. You have to take care of me at some point. You're going to work and take care of a while. And I'm like, and some men that's finally like that power control. But even at a young age, I realized I want an equal partnership. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel like all of the weight of the world is on me. Yes. And that is something that's happened that I've seen like with my brothers and other men in my family. It's like there's so much pressure on them. Yes. To Especially be like in the everything. black community, I feel maybe. I mean, I know growing up, my parents... When they first got married, my dad was the provider and he was the household person. He was just like that. And when the dynamic shifted and my mom was the provider, the the main provider, that caused a big rift in their relationship. They almost got divorced at that point. And so I know that that's a struggle. And it's like, I'm a, I'm a man. I need to provide. And I'm like, you can still provide and we can still be equal. You just... Like, if you're not providing financially, maybe you can provide in other ways. You're taking care of the home. Maybe you become the homemaker. Where, but it's like, no, I can't do that. I'm the man. I can't do laundry, dishes, all of that. And yeah. It's like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around because I'm a woman. I'm like, I should be able to work as long as I want to, as much as I want to. But I can also come home and cook. And I expect that from my husband. He needs to be able to cook, clean, and do all of these things for himself because I'm not his mom. But these are stereotypes put on men and women through society, yes. through media, through movies, through mm-hmm. like through. I mean, you can go back a hundred years. It's been there forever. The man does this. The man does this. Like, I remember being I remember my dad growing up and it was just like my dad was like he was funny. He was hilarious. But like he worked 
and paid the bills. But there was a dynamic shift because he had a heart attack and he couldn't mm-hmm. work anymore. And my mom had to start working. Yeah. And I just remember thinking to myself, like did, like I said, dating girls in general, it was always like, I got to pick them up. I got to do this. And when I first dated a guy, it was eye-opening. Like, we were at dinner, and he was like, I'll pay for it. I got it. And I was like, what? 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 Me? <laughs> Me? You're paying for my food? Like, I was like, oh, my God. This is, this is, it's, for some people, it's like, oh, that's emasculating, or it's like mm-hmm. taking away from my manhood. I'm like, no. It feels good to feel like, oh, I pay this time, you pay next time. Or like, you know. Well, I can't get to this. And even if it was with a woman, I would respect that if I dated a woman that where it would be like, well, I have to work these extra long hours or she has to work these extra long hours. So when I come home, it'll be like, oh, don't worry. I've got dinner cooked. I've cleaned mm-hmm. the house. I've done my due diligence. Like it's when you can't pick up the, the your part of it, then I step in and I yep. do that. And people don't look at it like that. It's just like roles. Well, who's the man? Who's the woman? Who does this? And people say that about gay relationships. It's just mm-hmm. like, well, who's the man? Who's the woman? And I'm just like, we're both men. What are you, what are you looking <laughs> for here? But anyway, back to interracial dating in general. What are what are what were your red flags going into dating? Like clear red flags where you just like, this is not going to work. Hmm. It's hard. <laughs> um, I don't know if I can pinpoint just one red flag. I'm looking back. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I can look back and say, this was a red flag. This was a red flag. This was a red flag. But there weren't any that I was actively looking for. I mean, I don't know. I was talking to my husband the other day and I was like, for me and it's gonna sound mean but i have a reasoning behind it so by the age of 19 i pretty much had a lot of my stuff together i was in school i had a job that was constant i had a car i had an apartment i i provided for myself i was a sole provider so when i went into dating i kind of expected those things from my partner Mm -hmm. and or if they didn't have those things, I expected them to be working towards those things, which may be like mean, but I found a lot of times when I ignored those red flags, I guess, in my mind, um, I was left in situations that I was not happy in where like I dated a guy who he didn't have a job. He didn't have a car. He was still living with his parents and I was having to drive 30 minutes to go see him and drive him places. And I was just like, I'm not happy. I'm I'm doing everything and he would not go and get a job. He would not actively mm. do anything. And so that I was like, I have to break up with you because I know that in the long run, I'm just going to turn into your mom. I'm nagging you like, hey, are you going to go get a job today? Are you going to apply for something? Are you, do you want to go to college? Do you want to do something? I don't want to be the person nagging you your entire life. Yeah. And so those are not red flags, but those are things that I was like kind of eliminated a lot of the guys for me. But then it still didn't matter because I still dated guys who had all of the things and they were still cheating on me. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, I I don't know. Those were my first points. And then red flags after that were, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know. I can just see it in a person. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, I'm a little bit of an online stalker. If you have something online, I'm probably going to find it. And that kind of tells me a little bit of what I need to know. And before I got into a lot of relationships, I was just... You know, doing a little online search, see if this person is actually someone I can date. I don't know. No, I, I can I can get that. I think interracially, when I date, when I have dated interracially, I've always looked for being able to have, like, conversation <laughs> with someone of the opposite race about, like, it's all about getting to know them the first yes. date, right? Like, oh, how are you? What are your interests? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, favorite colors, those boring shenanigans yeah. and stuff. And then, like, the second date, I'm just kind of like, you know, well, what are your views on, like, you know, 
because I'm aware that I'm black, right? Yeah. And sometimes I feel like, so as a black person and being raised in America and dealing with certain things, you, people, because I had this ex tell me one time that was just kind of like, why do black people always make things about their race? And I was like, oh, you really don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that we make it. It's like we're constantly reminded that we're black. And people don't get it. It's in some of the subtlest ways. Like, yeah. when I was younger, walking around a store and being followed. You All know, the time. I mean, even now, it yeah. still happens to me. And I think with that, it's... I find it's hard for me to bring up those topics because I feel like I was always being shut down until it actually happened in front of them. And they're like, oh my God, this happens to you? I remember one time I went with uh, one of my exes. We went to like Dollar General. And this guy was following us around, like looking, like bending his neck to look at us. And he's like, mm-hmm. why is he doing that? I'm like, it's probably because we're you're with a black girl. Like, they're like, what is this? And if you go to makeup stores like Ulta, I'm name dropping, and yeah. they will follow you around. My husband's like, why does this woman keep coming up to us and asking us if we need help? Even though we've told her no, it's because yeah. they're following you. And yeah. it's because they think we're going to steal. But then we'd be dropping some of the most money. Like, what, True. Is, the, what it, is the point? That, and that is and that is the thing where it matters in a, in a racial relationship that your partner can sympathize and understand. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to pay reparations. No. Like, I'm not asking you to bow down and worship me. I'm asking you to be knowledgeable of the, mm-hmm. of the things I have to go through on yeah. a daily basis that reminds me that I am black. Because I don't actively walk around saying, oh, I'm black, I'm black, I'm black. No, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like... You look at scenarios in places that you go and work business of work or, you know, just even on the street, sometimes randomly living your normal life and you're reminded of these things. And it's just kind of like it bothers me if I date someone who are unaware of their privileges, but they get mad at me because I'm aware of the things that are targeting me or that like I have to walk this world on a very thin line, whether I'm getting stopped by police whether I am making sure I'm not too aggressive to come off as the aggressive black man. Luckily, I'm slightly feminine or I have characteristics that kind of <laughs> like I always tell people like when you're when you're a gay black man, that kind of eliminate depending on how you look and how you act. It can eliminate the threat of you coming off threatening as a black man, yeah. because if like I get stopped by a cop and a cop pull up, pull up, like come to my window. I'm like, oh, hey, girl. Like the cop was gonna be like, this is okay, not. This is more relaxed. Yeah, I'm yeah. not as tense as before. This black man is not gonna attack me. This black man is clearly going to a gay bar mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. But like you know, I will just say this for example. One time, me and my brothers was headed home, uh, and we were driving, and I was in college, and I was like, I had a paper due, and I had like two hours to write it. So I'm like, I had my little phone set up as like my little hotspot, and I'm like typing this paper away, and we get pulled over by the cops, and I'm like, okay, y'all do what I gotta do. I gotta finish this paper. I'm typing. The cop comes up to the, the car. He sees me on my laptop in the back typing. And he's like, he's like, what the fuck is he doing? All y'all get out the car right now. And like made us get out the car, get up against the car, searched us, searched the car. Like we sat there for like, ended the store my paper didn't get submitted because Dang. that turned into like a 40 my, 45 minute scenario. My brothers mm-hmm. have been kicked out of clubs, like predominantly white clubs yeah. because it was just like, oh, like, let's be honest. Some of the things that they put out, oh, no baggy pants, no mm-hmm. do-rag. Like, They're targeting black Yeah, people. like, you can't deny those things. So I always look for a partner 
who understands the struggle. I don't need you to be my white savior. All I need you to do is just understand that when I walk outside and realize that's a passion thing for me. Like I can't help the fact that when I step outside, someone's going to recognize these things about me or someone's going to trigger or target me. And I don't want that. And I want a partner that's going to sympathize and understand that. Like you don't have to stop jumping to be a Karen or fight somebody. (laughs) I just need you to be like, I know how hard that was for you. Let me you know, help you. Mm-hmm. It's like when we come home, of course, you don't want to, you should not feel that in your relationship at all. Like it should feel like you're just two people. You shouldn't feel that divide. But then when you go out, you should feel like they understand what's happening to me. And if needed, they could protect you. But like, just, just recognize our surroundings because we're always on alert as black people. I'm always like, someone is looking at me, someone is watching me because they're looking to see what I will do, how I will react to things. And, when you grow <sighs> and it's stressful. Up, and when you grow up like that from a child until 20s and your 30s, mm-hmm. like that mentally puts you in a state of always being aware that you're black. So it's not that I'm constantly trying to remember that I'm black. It's just like, I've been preconditioned through life experiences to just remind myself like I cannot move the same way that certain Mm -hmm. people do in certain environments so I have to be aware of that yeah regardless so I mean that's not a particular thing but like I said I just wanted to make sure that my significant other understands what I might go through and what I deal with so I don't think there are any other red flags clearly I want them to have a job yeah I want them to (laughs) you know I want them to have a job I want them to be ambitious like in a relationship wise, I want someone who's going to want to have conversations, those deep mm-hmm. conversations, someone who can also be funny and, you know, know how to take a joke, but also someone who can be like, you know, I want to have a three hour conversation while we're high about whether aliens exist. Exactly. Because that right now will honestly make me want to get in bed with you. Because, <laughs> I mean, so you have to tickle my brain yes. before you tickle anything else. Yes. You have to put in the work to get in these paintings. And if that requires you to talk mm-hmm. about aliens for an hour, then you got to do it. That's what you got to do. I mean, yeah. I'm like, I love deep conversations. Some of the best moments and some of the reasons why I picked my husband was because we could sit down. We'll just be watching a TV show. And I'm like, hey, what did you think about that? And then we'll have a three hour long conversation about that whole thing. And I'm like, how did we even get here? And it's because we were supposed to be watching TV. <laughs> and now we're all on some other existential crisis conversation. But I love that. I want someone who I can talk with. And it flows well and we understand each other's jokes and we can also be serious at the same time because I've dated guys where they were always joking and it was like I can never be serious with them and I don't like that. I'm I'm a funny person, Mm -hmm. but when I come to you and I have a problem and I want to actually talk to you, you should be able to talk to me like an adult and we can have a conversation and then we can go back to being joking and all that stuff. No, I agree. I think that's something that's very important to be able to just be able to have banter in a relationship, conversation, go back and forth. And if you're dating someone who's constantly stuck in a mood, like I will say just before we move on to the next topic, I remember dating this one particular person who for the life of me, he could not understand like the difference between race. He would say stuff like, why can't, um, he was like, he was like, why can't we just like, 
why do black people have their have their own like institutions and mm-hmm. their own like clubs or if a white person had a business that said whites only or white you know or white people or like I was like because that existed already yeah like doing you already had your moment yeah you you've had the upper hand for so yes. long like you know slavery was four hundred years old and people I see people say the same thing like get over like slavery and I was like but y'all still talk about the Holocaust y'all still talk about so many other things that happened throughout your history like you know the uh the tea party and all those mm-hmm. other things like but because we want to remember something that was detrimental and also very hard for our people and like you want to add like slavery is so long ago like look through history look at the dates of some of the things that happened segregation when slavery ended mm-hmm. those things are not that long ago but yeah. because of the way media and information flows nowadays everyone's ready to jump to the next story mm-hmm. we are not as far along as we like to believe we are yeah. and it's like we need those black spaces because we don't really have them. I mean, yeah. there are, I feel like, I mean, all spaces are inter, like, mm-hmm. everything is intermixed now. But being in an area where you are with all black people does kind of feel good because you're with people who understand you. You, you like we said before, where you don't feel like you're being watched because mm-hmm. you're with people who are very similar to you. And so it feels nice. I mean, I personally went to a predominantly white college, but I have friends and family, like, all of my family went to A&T here, which is an HBCU. It's yeah. a historically black college. And they tell me all the time how amazing it felt to go to school with people who looked like them. I mean, my mom was one of the first black people at her school in upstate New York. And she got teased and picked on all the time because she was black. And it really is an issue. And I, I mean, I didn't experience it that much, but I have had people in school make comments about me and my looks and how black I am and things like that. And it does hurt your feelings, especially when you're growing into yourself. And I know growing up, I struggled with being black because I was like, I just want to be white because I want to look like these girls on TV. I want to look like everyone else, like all the other people who are more Mm -hmm. socially acceptable in society. I want to have straight hair. I'm like, mom, why doesn't my hair go straight? And she's like... Granny, your hair is curly and it is not going to change. And so like I I growing up I just wanted to change myself so much and like I'm kind of happy that now as I'm getting older and in my 20s I'm like I'm happy and I'm proud that I am black, but it took a a very long time to get to this point. Agreed. I agree. I agree too. So I think we should move on to the next topic. I mean, it's still related. Yes. Everything is interconnected here. Yes. So we're going to move on to the next topic of pretty much like just being married and being in an interracial relationship. Because mm-hmm. we talked about red flags and what you look for and what you experience. Yeah. But like now you're married, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, first of all, I don't like to give away my age, but as someone who is <clears throat> 36 years old, um, <laughs> And you being way younger than me, and you've already crossed that marriage line. And I mean, I'm happy for you, kudos, because these guys, when they're together, they're always lovey dovey. It's almost like being at home with my parents. It's disgusting. <laughs> like I love love. I just don't want it to be around me and rubbed in my face. I'm sorry. Which is no, don't apologize. It's great. I'm happy for you guys. But so, what is marriage life like interracially, or just in general yeah. for you? I- so I don't know. I don't know. Everyone always asks you, like, "Oh my God, how is it being married?" And they, I think they're like expecting me to say, "It's terrible. He beats me every fucking day," <laughs> and it's not like that. I mean, I, 
I did not picture myself getting married this early. It really did take me even by surprise. Um, but I met this guy and I just kind of fell face first into this and I loved every minute of it. I, I don't know, I found someone who is just like me. We have very similar views on things and things that we don't agree on, we can have conversations about. We have had very deep and lengthy conversations I feel about almost everything. I mean, with my parents getting divorced in my teenage slash early adult years and seeing how that divorce played out, it really made me step back and think, how do I want my marriage to go? Because I I knew my parents were going to get divorced at some point. I just didn't know when it was going to happen. And I saw how they interacted with one another and I knew that when I got married I wanted it to be 10,000% different than what my parents had I mean I think that they were cordial with one another but they didn't love one another Mm -hmm. and so I knew going into any relationship in my marriage that I wanted to love this person and love him for everything that he is but I also wanted us to be on the same page about a lot of topics like money and how we spend it and how the other person will react to you spending money to our religion and that was a big point in our relationship because he is atheist he does not believe in religion and i grew up christian but i've kind of gone away from it a little bit but i still in my mind have a little bit of christianity in me and Mm so we talked about it we um we had like a legal marriage at first and then we did a big ceremony with a pastor and everything because of my religion and I wanted that um so in front of God and so Mm -hmm. he bit on that and we've talked about how we want our kids to grow up because that is a big point and so we've decided we're gonna let them decide what they want to do and I will have my little bit of input in it but I'm not gonna force it on them because I also did not like having Christianity forced upon me. I had to go to church every single Sunday for hours and hours at a time. And I hated that so much. I don't know if, I know the white community does not do it because I've gone to white churches and it's like in and out in an hour. Love it. Black church, I've been in church for five hours one time. And Mm. I was like, Lord, let me leave. If you love me, let me go. (laughs) And so just like all of these things, anything that could come up in our relationship, I wanted us to talk about and kind of know how we would handle it. And I know that things are going to pop up in the future and I'm going to be like, how do we deal with this? I don't know if we talked about it, but I feel really assured in my mind that I know who he is and he knows who I am through and through. And so that really was just something that I loved and I was like, this is the person that I can marry. And I think even as we grow and we change, I think we're still going to be pretty much in line as long as we work on it. You know, we we will have our moments up and downs, fights and all of that. But I think we know how to come back to one another because like we have only had a handful of arguments, but the way we handled the arguments have really shown me, wow, this is a really good relationship. Like I can't even bring up one of the arguments, but like we were fighting about something, we had differences, and we don't yell at one another, we just talk. And um, whenever we get overwhelmed, we'll say, hey, I need to take a break. He'll go outside, I'll go outside or something, and then we'll come back and we'll finish up the discussion. And we kind of think about how we want to handle this or talk about it. And for me, I'm a very um, a literary person. So I, whenever I have issues going on in my mind, I have to write it down. I write down everything I'm feeling, mm-hmm. and then I can tell it to someone. I'm like, okay. 
I understand what is going on in my brain because I wrote it down for him. He's like, I need to just sit and think and just let it process in my head. And that kind of at first was like, I'm like, why do you want to go outside already? Like, no, but he just needed time to process it. And so I love that when we have arguments or we have differences, we can just take a break, figure out how we want to approach it and how we're not going to hurt each other's feelings, which is a big thing. And we can come back. No, that's that's good. I, I will say that's that's true. Um, I I personally have been in a relationship where we would have arguments, but there was no outcome. Mm-hmm. It would just be like we in would argue. Yeah, you argue about it, sweep it under the rug, mm-hmm. and then several months later, it comes back up mm-hmm. in another argument, and then it just piles on each other, and then you get angry, and then like you go nowhere. And my thing was, I had to learn to step back, process things. Mm -hmm. And then if you're in a relationship where that is continuously happening, you're the only one trying to get to a solution to where you can say, we can dead this topic and agree to disagree or agree on some on some front or level. Mm -hmm. But like when I was in that relationship and I realized that kept happening, I was like, we're not actively going anywhere. We're playing this ring around the roses. We're playing this this repeating the same action and going through the same process and you have to come to terms with either one are you both truly actively going to work on getting being able to communicate effectively on that Mm -hmm. topic that you don't agree with or are you going to just like walk away from it because what happens in a lot of relationships that i've seen within my family is Mm -hmm. a lot of my brothers and sisters have been married and divorced and they get in these marriages at a very young age Mm -hmm. And then they don't know how to communicate with their partner. They're just acting solely off of emotion. And I'm telling you, from my perspective and my belief, love is not strictly or a relationship is not strictly dependent on I love someone. Because that compatibility is a true thing that I 100% believe is true. Like, you can love someone. But the main thing that happens out of the relationships that I've observed in my life is that people will date someone, y'all don't have good communication, but you're going completely off of, I feel like this is love and this is what I want mm-hmm. to spend the rest of my life with, but you're not thinking about long-term. You're not thinking about, like you said, religious beliefs. You're not thinking about like, what do I want? How do I spend money? Like, where are my goals? What are my mm-hmm. ambitions? And people that don't communicate effectively in relationships, what ultimately end up happening is you go to dinner. To, <laughs> this is an example. You go to dinner with somebody one day and they're just like, Oh, you, you you look at the waiter and the waiter was like, well, what was your significant other like? And then you're like, oh, well, they were like shrimp. And then they look at you and it's like, I don't eat I'm shrimp anymore. Shrimp like, I, yo, I don't, I'm allergic. Well, I don't eat shrimp anymore. I stopped eating it a year ago. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, well, I thought you like this. Like the problem is, is people get stagnant. Mm-hmm. People forget that humans are constantly changing. Yes. You are not the same person that you were three or four or five years ago or when you were a teenager because people change. And if that communication and that effectiveness is not there in your relationship, mm-hmm. then something's going to change about that person. And you're going to feel completely shocked because you're not communicating on that level with that person. And you're going to be like, what? I'm confused. You're you're you've changed. You're not the person I married. No duh dipshit. Yeah. No That's one's gonna to change the same. Together. Yeah, you change together, you communicate, so you change with that person mm-hmm. together. And if you don't do that, you don't say, Hey, I no longer like shrimp or I no longer you know, I used to be religious, but through experiences mm-hmm. and personal experience, and you also have to respect someone just because you're religious and the person is not religious, it doesn't mean a relationship necessarily can't work. It's a level of respect because I grew up Christian. Mm-hmm. I identify as 
a level of being a Christian, but I've also seen the very dark sides of the church growing yes. up in the church and my both of my parents being ministers on some level. Mm-hmm. I've 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 witnessed it. I've I've seen a church that had no money and no like they were just an upcoming church come to my father and ask to borrow a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. And then when that church became a very big multi-million dollar church and my dad needed the money, the church act like they didn't even give him the money. There was no contract because he was doing it out of the good faith of being a Christian yep. and that God's people will, you know, double it tenfold and stuff mm-hmm. for you. And when that church didn't do it as a child or as a young person, I remember hearing those conversations and seeing it. And I just remember myself like, man, the church isn't really all I claim yeah. it is to be. And like, and I tell my significant other this all the time. Just because I don't like the church does not make me a Christian. The church and Christianity are two different entities. Do not Separate. try to combine them. The church is just a, a group, a body of people that are like-minded, mm-hmm. gathered together to try to exchange and encourage each other to stay strong. Yeah. That is not Christianity. Mm-hmm. That in itself is a... It's, it, you want to call it a cult, then yeah, it's a cult on some level. Yeah. But it is not God. It is not the yeah. Father. It is not the Son or the Holy Ghost. I stopped going to church a long time ago only because I don't have faith in the church. Yes, The Bible even I tells you that. man will fail you every time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that yeah, it'll happen. I was like, you know, no, I will go to church once in a while on Easter Sunday or something mm-hmm. with my or parents. Christmas, or Christmas Eve or something. Yeah, but every time I've been in church or I've dealt with anything with Christianity... Man's personal interest always corrupts the yes. message. So, no, if I meet somebody that's religious, great, but they need to understand and respect the fact that I have my limitations mm-hmm. when it comes to the church. I will identify as Christian. I will go to church. But even some things in the Bible, I, I, agree with I don't agree with. And people want to say, well, God is a strict God and God doesn't change his mind. It's not true. Look through the Bible. God has changed his mind. Well, I don't like to identify God as a he, but I get that's something that we've been preconditioned to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but God has changed mind multiple times. Mm-hmm. When sin, your only begotten son, you God had gave up on humanity, but somehow his son convinced him to change his mind. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Unless God is a changing God who evolved. Yeah. Why would you create a species or... Or why would you create humanity who can evolve and change, but you yourself can't do that? Claps. <laughs> I love that. You know? That is exactly true. I mean, so much of what you said is so true because everyone always has their own ulterior motives. And especially in the black church, I can't speak for all churches, but also the church I grew up in mm-hmm. was corrupt. And they were preaching messages that I just... Even as a teenager, I was like, this can't be right. Like, as a kid, I didn't realize what they were saying. I wasn't paying attention. But as a teenager, I started paying a little bit of attention. And I realized, this is not what I believe in. Because I don't, I mean, my church personally also was against gay people. They were like, gay people are going to hell. And I'm like, I don't believe that. I think God still loves me. I mean, he let me come this far in life. And he didn't kill me yet. And I don't, I don't see how I met... I don't even think I had met like openly gay people when I was at that age, but mm-hmm. I was like the few people that I had known about or seen, I was like, they were so nice. I can't believe that a God would not like them or put them in hell because of that. And then be praising other people. It yeah. just never made sense to me in my brain. I was like, how can God hate a certain person because of who they love? It never made sense to me. And it still doesn't. Yeah, I don't know how people wrap it in their brain, but I just, I believe that 
if you are good at heart and you do good things and you feel like you are living a a a, a life for you and you are going after your own interests but you're not hurting other people and you're just doing yourself i think we'll pretty much get into heaven i don't know yeah. i'm not the person that's letting people in but i think as long as i'm a good person and i feel like i'm putting more good out into the world than bad i think i will be okay i agree with that completely <laughs> i didn't mean to take us off topic and get oh, no, into the okay. church because a church talking about the church of christianity especially from a black perspective mm-hmm. in the black church could be a whole podcast yes. in itself. So we're going to move on to um, relocating because yeah. that's something that you're about to do very yes. soon for your relationship. <laughs> yes. So um, my husband is German. He was born and raised in Germany. He came to America um, for a job here in um, a close by city. And so he has a contract and all of these things, but he's decided that he no longer wants to be with this company. So we have decided to go to Germany. And since I'm his wife, uh, I should be able to go <laughs> unless they kick me out at the door. But um, I'm excited to just live in a new place. I, for the most part, was born and raised and lived in Greensboro for my whole life. I did branch out a little bit and go down to Pembroke, North Carolina and Mm. live in the middle of kind of nowhere. It's just the college and a few houses and that's about it. So that was different. And I didn't see my families for months at a time, but I, that was one of the best times in my life. I don't know whether or not it was because my family wasn't (laughs) as close and watching me, but I really did enjoy that time. And so I'm hoping that moving to this place will be really um, good and also as happy as my college times were. Um, I'm excited because he has such a big family and they're very close. They have parties all the time. They are very caring and they all come together and support one another. I love that. Um, I mean, I have a really big family on my mom's side and a smaller family on my dad's side. And I think if I really, really needed it, they would come and help. But for small things, they can't always get here. They live a few states away. So I understand. It's But it's like they're not close. Yeah. His family, we had a wedding there in June. His family, a, a second wedding <laughs> in there in June. Rich. And his whole family came out. They all came to decorate. I mean, they came to decorate. They had the party. And then the next day, everyone else came back to take down all the decorations. I woke up the next day and they're like, everything's already done. And that's crazy. And it's complete contrast to my wedding where I, me and Armin literally did everything. We bought all the stuff. We put everything up. We took everything down. It was all on us. And so I'm very excited to have a lot of family support when we go. And I think that will make this move a lot easier to transition into. Well, I mean, if you knew me back then, I would have definitely helped your wedding. But you didn't know me at that <laughs> no, point. No, I didn't. I wish I had known because you would have definitely been best man at the wedding. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so what are your like moving to Germany? I've never been to Germany. You've clearly been a few times. Mm-hmm. Like, is the language barrier something that you feel like might be a big thing? Because, like, <laughs> how many of his family members actually speak English or know English well? Um. So the older generation, they don't know. They might know like 50 words. They don't know a lot of English. Mm -hmm. Um, And German is actually their second language because they actually came from Russia. But they were, they're Germans who went to Russia and then they came back to Germany. And so Russia, Russian was their first language. And then they learned German 
as teenagers and young adults. And so now it's like, they don't really have much English except for like the music that they listen to and that's about it. But his um, cousins and people our age, they learned it in school, but it's it's kind of like how we learn Spanish. You, you know yeah. a few words, yeah. but that's about <laughs> it. You can't really have a whole long conversation. Um, but one of his cousins specifically, uh, she does know English very well. And so we talk all the time. She actually, um, did a foreign exchange program in New Zealand. So that's how she learned English uh, very a lot. So we always talk and she translates things for me. uh, And I'm actively learning how to speak German. It's just very hard. I am, I'm a good student, I will say, but on left on my own devices, I cannot Mm. learn. I need deadlines. I need to (laughs) feel the heat of I'm going to fail to learn something. So I'm like, I wish I could I don't want to have to pay a thousand dollars to learn this language. So, but if someone could make a class, an app where it's like you have to finish this assignment at eleven fifty nine on Friday night, I would learn this language by next month. Like, I need the pressure. <laughs> we need to get you Rosetta Stone. Yes, probably. But probably. I need the pressure. I, yeah, I don't have it. If it's by myself, I'm like, I'll learn it next week. But see, that's I that school. It. That's that school programming. It's scam- yeah, yeah. It's in here, and I just I wish it wasn't like that. But I'm a procrastinator, and if I have to wait till the last minute, it's coming in. It's like my brain <laughs> just can absorb it better when I'm stressed. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, speaking of relocating, I did relocate for my significant, not Germany. I didn't go to a whole other country <laughs> to, like, be with someone. Like, I just moved, like, so I lived in Greenville, North Carolina, mm-hmm. which is where I spent most of my college years and mm-hmm. getting my education. And then I met my significant other. And then I moved to Raleigh, like, a halfway point, because Greensboro mm-hmm. is in between Raleigh and Greenville, North Carolina. Yeah. So I moved to Raleigh, and I lived there for a year and did, like, some IT work for banking. And then I left there when we were ready to move in together and we moved in together and I moved to Greensboro. So it was like three hours away from my hometown and then two and a half from Greenville where I live. So it wasn't that big of a change. And of course, I didn't have to do a whole nother language barrier. Mm -hmm. You know, that it wasn't that bad. And I actually like Greensboro. So I think. I think you will flourish. Yes. Like my only fear is you're gonna come back. You're gonna be completely German. You're gonna, you're gonna like speak complete German. I don't know English. No English no, at all. I, it's, English is deep inside my brain. I, okay. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, since I now have two languages, mm-hmm. it's. I think I can just wrap a third one in there, and it'll be all right. And I'm, I have my little southern twang, so I'm sure that's gonna affect my language. I already have struggled. I say some words, and he's like, "Why do you say it like that?" Uh, I'm trying. So, what do you, what do you, what do you think? Do you, how long do you think this stay will be? I mean, clearly, it's up in the air. There's no, mm-hmm. no return real, date. yeah, return yeah. date. So, like. Do you think you'll ever come back to America apart from visiting family or like maybe to live? This Um, is just your personal take. I don't know. I, we've talked about it. I, I'm, I'm split. Okay. In my mind, I'm like, I would love to come back to America, especially in our, like whenever we have kids in our, their teenage and high school, like middle school and high school years. But then I get scared when I think about all of the mass shootings that we have here. Another topic. But like, that is terrifying for me. But in America, we have so many different activities. We have soccer, basketball, cheerleading, all of these clubs. And from what I'm hearing from my husband, they do not have as many extracurricular things, um, especially in smaller towns and things like that. And I don't know if we'll move to a big city. So I want my kids to be able to do a lot of things because growing up, I got to do a lot of things. Any sports activity, any kind of activity that I wanted to do, 
I did. And yeah. I loved having that opportunity. And I, I'm scared that when we have kids, they're not going to have that. They're not going to know how to roller skate or play checkers or do stuff. And I think about that. And I, I know I can teach them a little bit, but I would like them to grow up and be able to pick what they want to do. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I'll come back, but then... Maybe okay. not. It just depends. All right. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter because I'm pretty sure I I'll make a trip to, to yeah, Germany. Yeah, I'm like, I want to take you guys with us. That would be amazing. And that would be the best possible outcome of all of this. Well, once you get settled in Germany, I mm-hmm. have my passport. I exactly. will make the trip to Germany. I Listen, I'm I'm trying to be internationally traveled now. So Germany, like, I feel like an international girly at this point. I've yeah. only gone to like two countries, but... I'm loving it. I, uh-huh. It's so different over there. I mean, I do feel a little out of place because there aren't as many black people as here. Like, mm-hmm. especially in the South. I feel like there's a lot of black people yeah. in North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, of course. And I, I went to Germany. I'm like, oh, there's one. It's like spotting <laughs> <laughs> a rare animal out in the wild. I'm like, hey, <laughs> we're both black. It's exciting. Yeah. But I'm, I think I'll get used to it. Uh, so far, I haven't, so far, I have not experienced any racism, so... Hopefully that continues, but if I do, I think I'll just let it roll off my back, so I'm not too worried about it. Well, that's good. I wish you the best of luck in Germany. I will clearly be, like, I don't know if y'all have, like, any restrictions on certain applications like Snapchat or anything. Okay. Okay, well, I will definitely be snapping you and following you, and we will definitely do a follow-up once you move, Mm -hmm. like, podcast to that scenario. But I think we want to get to the final topic because we are hitting that hour mark, which is crazy that it's been an hour already. But um, what about your family's reaction to, like, interracial dating and marriage in particular? Um, You've expressed a little bit about, like, you know, and you don't have to go into detail. Oh, no, it's fine. Um, I think my... So I, I can't speak for my extended family, how they reacted to it, but I know that my inner family kind of struggled a little bit. They weren't excited that I was getting... Not, I don't want to say they weren't excited. They were a little worried because our relationship did kind of go a little bit fast. And so they were like, oh my God, are you sure you want to marry him? Like, why him? Just asking a lot of questions. It didn't, I don't know. It wasn't the reaction that I thought I would have when I told my family that I was going to get married. I was expecting like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. We're going to do any and everything to help you guys flourish. And I feel like we've had to kind of stand on our own. But I like that because it's shown me that we can get through almost anything. Um, I'm sure my extended family was kind of like, huh? She get married? (laughs) Who is this? Like, what? Because he did not have a chance to really meet them before um, we had our wedding. Uh, So it's just, I'm sure it took them by surprise. But I don't really, I don't base my life on my family's opinions. I've always kind of been like, I'm going to do what I want and I will see what happens in the end. And it's worked for me so far. So I'm I'm like, I I will take their, I will listen to their input but I'm going to follow my own. We've had some fights, a little bit dealing with the fact that he's white and I have not enjoyed the things that they were saying about it. And I did have to distance myself from my family for a period of time um, and kind of take a breather from that. It was very toxic at that point. It was so much, everything was kind of boiling and everything had boiled over at one point. And I just was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to take a break. I will come back when I feel ready and um, 
I've kind of gotten back better with him, so I'm happy that we've improved the relationship a little bit, but I know that it will always be strained because once you let something out of your mouth like that, it's always going to be in my head. I'm always going to be thinking in the back of my mind, is this how they really feel or did they Mm -hmm. say that in anger? So I'm going to take your words in anger at face value. You said what you said, so you got to kind of back it up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, that's one thing I always worry about my family. It's just like, my family has never said anything mm-hmm. about me dating interracially. It's more along the lines of the little actions that you experience. Like, my biggest thing about being gay, bisexual, whatever you want to label it, I don't care. But my thing about it is, is when I date somebody, it's less about being in an interracial relationship and more about like, so I will say this, but you know, I try not to put my business out there because I'm a very, I'm kind of a private person. But like, so my nephew came to spend a summer with us, mm-hmm. um, with me and my fiance, and I we were living together, and we had a spare bedroom. And my nephew came to spend a night in the spare bedroom, and I just remember my dad being like, "I think it's just your mom is concerned about like you know." him being there and then like there being another person you know we had a roommate at the time like that we don't know that person and like you know if they would try to like touch him inappropriately Mm -hmm. or something like that and like or like my other nephew's dad he's mentioned like oh i want to go stay with my uncle and he was like no you can't stay with him it was like well why i'm family you've met me you know me and Mm -hmm. i know at the end what he was referring to was the fact that me saying that I'm gay or whatever just was like well you don't know like that that stigma of like pedophilia yeah. or like a willing to like that's not that's not like no like that really hurt me because it was just kind of like you know like with me or dating it's less about the interracial part and the stigmas that have been attached to mm-hmm. like gay men and what we might be doing behind closed doors. And I was like, well, you're so busy, just like the church, you're so busy in my, what I do in a bedroom, how about you be concerned about something else? Because what I do in the bedrooms between me and a significant other, I am no different in a heterosexual relationship. I believe in monogamy. I'm attracted to men, not mm-hmm. boys, not children. Yeah. Like those things is just very bad stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So I had to deal with those things in my family or people saying those things. And it's just kind of like, or thinking those things is a concern. Mm-hmm. My my mom and dad have always been like supportive of me dating interracially. It's just always been like, just be careful because yeah. you know, we black people have not had the best history in America with dating interracially, or mm-hmm. you know, people's low key races, or people being insensitive or uneducated on things that you mm-hmm. go through. Those things matter. So my parents have never went out there with it's anything bad. It's just. Be cautious when you yeah. step into those environments or those worlds. I mean, I went to a party one time um, with my significant other, and it was like a bonfire, which is it's not a, it's not limited to a particular race, but in the South here it is a very thing that you know Caucasian people do. And I remember someone like making a black joke and said the N word, and I was just like, no, I'm ready to go. Yeah, because like. No one, no one should invite you somewhere mm-hmm. and like, make you feel like that. Yeah, you know? like even if I don't know that person and you didn't know that person was like that, 
Like the fact that you tolerate that person and you have them in your life and you do not correct them. Because if you're if you're with if you have someone who is racist or who says things that are insensitive to another race, mm-hmm. like there's one well, like, oh well, people are too sensitive. No, certain things just shouldn't be said, period. And if someone is gonna use the N-word in a joke and say something Imagine what they say behind closed doors. Yeah, like imagine how they truly feel. And then the fact that like you would invite me to your house and you support someone or you like it just made me realize I don't want to affiliate myself with people who are going to not correct people in their life who do the wrong things. Mm-hmm. It's not just racist. It's just anything. It's just like if I see a friend say something inappropriate to a woman like or say have this very idealistic like mm-hmm. just inappropriate. Like an Andrew Tate mindset. Yeah, yeah. Like- Andrew Tate mindset. Say mm-hmm. something like that. Then I'm just kind of like. I'm going to correct that person. I'm mean, like, I don't. And then I'll tell the person I'm talking to, like, I don't know if I want to affiliate myself with that person. Yeah. Because I always believe one thing. If you're in a room and you are the smartest person in the room and just about any of your social scenarios and just about any given topic, then nine times out of 10, that's not the type of room I want to be in. I want to have friends that are growing that compliment me that mm-hmm. provide even family members that provide that environment where it's just like we grow together yeah we achieve things together so my family's never said anything negative about white people there are stereotypes that exist even for us as black people even yes. for white people you know food seasoning is very important <laughs> so. it's a very uh touchy topic yeah, to yeah, some yeah, people, yeah. yeah but, for some I mean, people but you know it is there's some it is. truth in the pudding yeah and some <laughs> black people can't cook that is true okay that is very true it's just a stereotype that kind of stick with caucasians yeah but but i applaud any white person that can season i i enjoy that me my husband being one of them he you be seasoning the life out of it. I say, if it ain't season, if you ain't sneezing, it ain't season. So I need to be sneezing in the kitchen, so I know I'm, I did a good job. Yes, yes, I I agree. <laughs> but I mean, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Of course, I've enjoyed this. Yes, this has been very good. The topics were mm-hmm. great, and I will put all of Amaya's links in the bio if she wants me to, mm-hmm. such as her Instagram or. Any information that you want to reach her at, you know, if you want to drop a little tag now, I don't know. I'm be honest, I don't know any of my tags, so I'm not going to drop them because okay. I'll probably be wrong, <laughs> but I will give them to you to link. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening, and we are just drag sisters. Yes. She said, yeah.